on, on the political scene, uh, one of the Democratic candidates is Senator Joseph Biden. Have you seen the problem he's been having? He went around and made a speech. And apparently, he quoted a, I think it was a British politician, took his speech and kind of paraphrased it as his own. And then the press got on him. And then he was charged also with taking part of Bobby Kennedy's speeches. And Biden says, not to worry, he reassured his staff. He said, we have nothing to fear, but fear itself. Hello, Internet. I'm Dave Rubin. This is The Rubin Report. It is June 9th, 2022. And that was Johnny Carson back when late night comedy was actually comedy. Weird, wild stuff. I did not know that. That was my Johnny Carson impression. For those of you that are over 40, I think you got it. I miss that guy. I miss when late night comedy was funny, except for the number one show in late night comedy, which is the Greg Gutfeld program. He has obliterated the rest of those clowns. And why am I mentioning all of this? Well, because the elderly man pretending to be president, Joseph R. Biden, who Johnny Carson was making fun of, Uh, there. That was, by the way, that was 1987. Joe Biden had already been in government for 58 years at that point. Uh, And yes, he was a plagiarist back then. You may not know this, but Joe Biden had ran for president right around then, around 88 or so, and had to end his campaign because of this plagiarism scandal. So this guy's been doing it forever. He's been a fraud forever. Okay, fine. Now he just doesn't even know what he's doing. But he went on the Jimmy Kimmel program last night. And Jimmy Kimmel, of course, you may remember him from one of his many blackface scandals. Uh, He's a very unfunny guy, gets paid about $20 million a year on ABC to give you just generic nonsense comedy, comedy. And uh, they went on and the interview was an abject disaster. And of course it wasn't aired live. So they edit it. And you really have to understand this about television. I'm doing this thing live right now, right? So like if Clyde, who's in studio, by the way, with me right now, and if you want to see a picture of him, you can go to rubenreport.locals.com in the live chat. Phoenix is putting a picture of Clyde in studio. He's chilling out with us because we've got some construction workers down there. But I'm doing this thing live right now, right? So whatever happens, happens. That's how it is. But this thing was pre-taped and it was off the rails. Disastrous. We've got a couple clips of it that we're going to show you. And then because it is Thursday, we are doing a Locals community Q&A and the questions are varied and wide and all over the place. Uh, And also, uh, we are doing a new thing as of last week on Thursdays in the Locals community. We do Thursday Thoughts, which is where you guys just post whatever your thought of the day is. And we pick the most interesting or insightful or funny or comical or humorous or depressing or whatever it might be thought. And I uh, sign and date a little bit one of my pages from my notes and uh, we send it off to you. That's what we're doing every Thursday. You can join us at rubenreport.locals.com. Real quick, let me talk to you about Tommy John, and then we'll get to uh, Joseph R. Biden, the elderly man pretending to be president, and the blackface man with the late night show. Uh, You know, guys, the best gift for your dad is one he'd love but wouldn't get for himself. Unbelievably comfortable Tommy John underwear. Tommy John moves with you and keeps you cool thanks to breathable, lightweight fabric with four times the stretch of competing brands. Because Tommy John knows that you're the most confident when you're the most comfortable. That's why they don't have customers. They have fanatics. With over 17 million pairs sold, dads everywhere love Tommy John underwear. Look at that guy, he's loving it. Uh, They love it because it makes you feel fresh all day long. Plus, 
I'm going to be a dad in a couple months and I do have to make sure my underwear is right. I might as well start acting one now, like one now and you should get Tommy John too. There's no risk because everything's covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or it's free guarantee. This Father's Day shop tommyjohn.com slash Ruben for up to $30 off site-wide plus free shipping. Now through June 15th, get up to $30 off site-wide plus free shipping at tommyjohn.com slash Ruben, tommyjohn.com slash Ruben. And now back to me. All right, so the elderly man pretending to be president went on the blackface late night TV show uh, to kind of clean up everything that's going on in the country right now. Because as you know, we have a lot of problems from gas prices to inflation to supply chains to that sort of half war we're doing and a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, Here's part one of what happened and it ain't pretty. No so, question So there's about a it. lot of major things we've done, but what we haven't done is we haven't been able to communicate it in a way that is, let uh, me um, say another way. Well, see, that's kind of perfect. Yeah, well, we haven't been able to communicate but it. But look how way. the press has changed. Mm-hmm. Look how the press has changed. It has changed. Oh, listen, it's, I, it's, I get it. I know you, get, you overstand it. Yeah. You don't just understand it, you overstand it. <laughs> but here's the deal. One of the things is that it's very difficult now to have a, um, even with, with notable exceptions, even the really good reporters, they have to get the number of clicks on, on, the, on the nightly news. Mm-hmm. So instead of asking a question, anyway, it just, everything gets, gets sensationalized in ways that, but I'm convinced we can get through this. We have to get through it. And one of the things, look. I'm going to take a break, and then we'll talk a little bit more. I don't if you don't mind, you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, we have some of those commercials. I, I, I we have some biracial you. commercials we need to show. I mean, it would be funny if it wasn't depressing. That guy is supposed to be the leader of the free world. He cannot complete a full sentence without losing his train of thought or being completely muddled and not know what he's saying. And uh, Jimmy Kimmel does something there that's actually pretty depressing. For any of you, that, for any of you that have had a parent or a grandparent or anyone you know that has that sort of degenerative mind disease, whatever it might be, if it's Alzheimer's or dementia or anything else, I had I had one grandmother that had it for sure, and one that had a little bit towards the end. And I spent a lot of time going to geriatric doctors with my grandmother. It's, it's depressing, it's deeply depressing, it's scary. You can see the, the fear in their eyes because sometimes they realize what's going on. He knows what's going on. Dr. Jill Biden knows what's going on. Everyone around him knows what's going on. He's obviously on medication that they're hiding. Like they cannot hide this much longer. And one of these days, it's just going to burst forth and suddenly everyone in mainstream media will be covering it. But what Kimmel's doing there is very much, I remember that feeling when I was with my grandmother and she would be losing her train of thought or couldn't get to the end of the sentence or couldn't remember a word, whatever it might be, you kind of pick it up for them. You pick it up for them and help them get there because it's sad and it's weird and it's scary actually. It's scary for them, it's scary for you, what's going on here? And twice he had to do that there. On top of the fact that uh, Joe Biden thinks that you get clicks on the nightly news television programs and he just doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't know what he's doing. And he lies, of course, about everything, which at this point it's like, does he know he's lying or are they just handing him something or he's just saying crazy shit? Here's a lie. Look, here's where we are. We have the fastest growing economy in the world, the world, the world. No, we don't. We don't. We don't. That's a lie. A lie, a lie, no matter how many times you will repeat it. Uh, My buddy, Patrick Bet David, who knows uh, quite a bit 
about the economy. And just before we started the show, I was on YouTube looking at his $25 million house in Fort Lauderdale. The guy's doing all right. Uh, he's predicting that they're going to announce a recession uh, somewhere between July 1st and 15th. But it does seem like it is officially on the way. And we know this is all happening. Again, this is one of those things where I don't have to read you all the statistics on the, on the markers or about the economy because you can all feel it. But he just says that. And Jimmy Kimmel doesn't say anything back to like, back to him like, uh, no, that doesn't seem right because it's just like a PR move, right? This is not a real talk show. This is not a place where they're there to discuss ideas and where they're really there to get into what's going on. It's just a PR move by the administration in a very prepackaged, edited way to make Biden look as good as possible. So think about it. They end up airing this thing. Trust me, there were 20 clips that we could have showed you that are absolutely disastrous. They did this to make Joe Biden look good because he hasn't done a press conference in what was it, 120 days, I think they told me right before we started. Um, so he won't go up to the press straight up, right? He won't take unsolicited questions. He won't do any of this stuff live anymore. So this is prepackaged and it still makes him look terrible. Here, listen to this rambling lunacy. I'm serious, you turn on the TV, look at the ads. When's the last time you saw biracial couples on TV? When's the last time you saw the way, I mean, people are selling products, they do ads to sell products, and they sell products when people, they appeal to people. This generation is gonna change everything. We just got to make sure we don't give up. What is he talking about? What is he talking about? And nobody cares about biracial couples on TV. I'm not sure if he's saying that there are biracial couples on TV or there aren't, or he wants more, I guess is what he's saying. Nobody cares. Every time you open up a, a, a magazine or you watch television, I don't watch television anymore, but I assume that there's a lot of biracial couples. I'll tell you something funny. You know, we're, we're buying strollers right now because we're having kids. Every freaking website that's selling strollers or baby stuff, it's all lesbian couples. And it's angry lesbian couples. Michael, you saw the picture. He was cracking up. They have these seemingly very angry lesbian couples and they're out in the field with the pushing the stroller and they're very angry and I'm a lesbian and I'm in the field with the kid. And it's like, I have no problem with lesbian parents, but most people who are parents are not lesbian or gay men. That's just how it is. But everything is being pushed through this PR drivel, this woke PR nonsense. But what is he even talking about? Nobody knows what he's talking about. Uh, meanwhile, Matthew McConaughey, actor Matthew McConaughey, who I kind of like, he's over at the White House talking about gun control. Now, I'm not thrilled with some of the things he's saying, but it's like he's basically acting as the president while they send the elderly man pretending to be president to go do the silly, uh, silly Jimmy Kimmel show. Here's one more. They tried to have Joe Biden do a prepackaged joke. Now, note the prepackaged nature of this. This is full on, if you wanna just peel back, and I know a little something about Hollywood, I'm pretty sure I'm never gonna be allowed back in. Uh, but if you wanna just peel back a little bit how they operate, when these guys do these talk shows, they call it panel. It means you're going on the panel. You're the guy sitting next to the guy at the desk. And it's all prepackaged. These are the questions you're gonna get. Here are the jokes you're gonna land. There's stuff on the prompter so you don't forget what you're gonna do. The, the host obviously has notes and he has a prompter. The audience literally, if you've never been to one of these shows, the audience has a sign that lights up when they're supposed to clap like seals and when they're supposed to applaud. There are PAs, production assistants, who stand out in the crowd literally encouraging you to laugh and, and trying to get you to go because none of it's that funny. It's all theater, it's all theater. So watch this as they plan this joke out just so perfectly. You often get asked, Look, the Republicans don't play it square. Why do you play it square? Yeah. Well, well, guess what? If we do the same thing they do, our democracy will literally be in jeopardy. Well, I mean, yeah. Not a joke. 
And I, I understand that argument, but also it's like you're playing Monopoly with somebody who, you know, won't pass go and won't follow any of the rules. And how do you ever make any progress if they're not following the rules? Well, you got to send them to jail, uh, you know. <laughs> there's that little box in there. Directly to jail. <laughs> you got to send them to jail. So you can see Kimmel's reading off. So he's reading his pre-pan pre-planned Monopoly joke. And then Joe Biden, obviously, you got to send him to jail. And it's just like, I I don't even care. I'm not even going to say that Joe Biden really wants to send his opponents to jail. The people coming behind him do. Uh, But I'm not even going to say Joe Biden does. But it's just like all of it. It's so fake. And even the laughter there, it feels fake. Like the one guy that laughed and people are like, oh, was that funny? Or is jailing your opponents funny? It's all just absolute drivel. Uh, all right, we're going to get to the Q&A real quick. Let me talk to you about bullion max. You know, as inflation surpasses highs, don't tell Joe Biden, not seen in 40 years, the value of the dollar is decreasing with every passing day. You're paying more at the pump, yes. The grocery store, yeah. For cor- for cars, uh-huh. And housing, it's true. Face it, your paper money is worth less. Friends, the timing couldn't be any better for my new sponsor, Bullion Max. Bullion Max is a direct-to-consumer precious metals retailer who can help you diversify into gold and silver. It's a hedge against inflation. It's also security for your family in times of crisis. And here's why I love Bullion Max. They're owned by veterans in the precious metal space, offer some of the lowest prices on the internet, and they make it so easy to buy directly from their website. I want to help you get started, so I worked out a special offer just for you. Get Bullion Max's Silver Starter Kit at employee pricing. Just go to bullionmax.com Dave. The kit includes five of the most desirable silver products to invest in, including a silver American Eagle and a silver Australian Kangaroo. The offer is limited to just one per household, so get yours now. Go to bullionmax.com Dave right now. And now back to me. Or trust Joe Biden on the economy. It's up to you, people. Okay, here we go. Rubenreport.locals.com community Q&A. Patrick says, uh, Dave, do you believe, as I do, that the Democrats have become so depraved that they actually hope a Supreme Court justice is bumped off so that Biden can tip the balance with a new appointee? Of course, of course. They fundamentally believe the uh, ends justify the means, okay? So whatever you have to do to get to the end result you want is okay. That's why nobody in the mainstream media is trying to figure out who did the leak, right? This big Roe v. Wade leak, this Supreme Court leak. This is a massive breach of protocol of how the Supreme Court is supposed to operate, that each one of the justices has, I think, four clerks. There's a couple people around them, but there's a very limited amount of people who have access to these briefs. Someone, and I assume there is some level of an investigation, uh, should be trying to figure out who leak this because it's an affront and an assault on the Supreme Court. But you didn't see anyone in the media really, right? Did anyone in the mainstream media really run around and say, hey, we got to figure this thing out um, and we have to figure out who did this and why they did it and how it happened? Um, so there is almost nothing, there is no norm. I mean, I think that's really the way we have to look at this thing. If you just look at like the train, right? And the train's just going and it's just going and going and going. And there's some signals every now and again you know, and the, the thing's coming down. You gotta stop, you gotta slow down. There is nothing they will not ram through. Uh, just yesterday, an armed man was arrested outside Brett Kavanaugh's house. Well, if you run around and tell people for years that Brett Kavanaugh is a serial rapist and he was installed by a racist and the process is illegitimate and all of those things, then people are gonna start doing weird things. And then when you take some of the video that we've shown you over the months where Democrats are the one, get in their face, give them no peace. It's okay to protest at people's house. 
houses. Would they love if one of them just dropped dead? Yeah. Uh, by the way, I can do a version of that, that that's not completely partisan. Are there a certain amount of people on the right that would be happy if a liberal judge just croaked if it was a conservative president? Of course, but I don't think the bloodlust, the general bloodlust and disregard for the norms of the court is the same on the right because generally people on the right think that the country is good, think that the system is good. It doesn't mean that there's no partisanship, but the basic belief is, oh, the system has to kind of work itself out. So it is what it is. The guy who drove over to uh, Kavanaugh's house is saying that he had the intention to kill him. I mean, that's the level of, of kind of where we're at at the moment. Uh, Lawrence says, I don't think you addressed this. How did you fare in the first tropical storm in Florida? Uh, some flooding images were very serious. Yeah, so there was a couple massive storms here in Miami the last couple of days. So we're not right in downtown. I'm more in the suburbs. So if you saw the videos from downtown, we should have we should have played a couple on B-roll. I mean, they were crazy, like two, three foot middle of the city of Brickell, which is downtown Miami, like people coming out of clubs and like being swept away. At the, I don't think there were any deaths or anything. Uh, but massive, massive flooding. There was a bunch of flooding by us, nothing too terrible. Uh, last night though, we did have some crazy storms and we had just done, we're doing a bunch of landscaping right now. So we're moving trees around. And obviously when you move trees and you plant trees, uh, it takes a little while for the roots to get settled. So we have two trees that toppled over. Did you guys see the two trees toppled over in the front? We have two trees that fell over, but we're working on it. I got Jose here, he's helping me out. He's a good dude, shout out to Jose. And uh, yeah, it's okay. We haven't had any power outages or anything. Uh, we're working on the generator situation. And by and large, uh, if, if that's as bad as it gets in this free state, I am quite happy. Chris says, do you see the red wave coming? If so, is there a downside to it? Yeah, I mean, look, as I've been saying, every, every marker would show you that there's a red wave coming, right? Even if you took out every bad thing that's happening right now, usually in midterm elections, if you have a Democrat president, Republicans win the midterm. If you have a Republican president, the Democrats win the midterm, meaning it's the off party that usually do, does well, right? Um, but if you add all of the bad stuff that's happening, then yes, there is every reason to think there's gonna be a red wave, but you just don't know, right? You just don't know what these freaking people are gonna do. What will the machine do? What will the corporate press do? You know, even as we speak right now, what are they really trying to get people focused on? I know you're not focused on it and I couldn't give a flying, uh, It'll be nice, Clyde's here. I couldn't give a flying bird about it either. Uh, the January 6th thing, it's like, the, it's so irrelevant. It's a complete sideshow, but they want you to be focused on the wrong things. So you can't even see what's right in front of you, which are food prices and gas prices and everything else. So it's like, we can't get overconfident. You've got to vote and you've got to encourage your friends to vote and get out there and remain active and not just vote, get on school boards and all of the other stuff. Cause not all of these uh, problems will be solved purely in a political sense. They can be solved by you being more active in your community at the schools and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but look, it's like COVID could come come back, you know, two weeks before the election. Now we got to do mail-in ballots everywhere. That could happen. They could ramp up a war, like anything could happen. But man, cross your fingers, cross your fingers, but don't, but don't just do it with like hope. You got to cross your fingers and say, I'm going to do something. And it's like, we got a chance to just set this thing right. I mean, imagine if the Republicans took the Congress, which I think is likely, there's a chance they'll take the Senate, right? You completely neuter Biden, right? And then he's just neutered and he's, he's mentally neutered already, but now the administration is neutered for two years. And then actually, if the Republicans started doing some things legislatively, right? Or they kicked some of the power back to the state, or they made sure we're not gonna go into lockdowns again or any of those things. Like if they started doing that stuff, 
then we got a great chance to, hey, get a maybe a Ron DeSantis guy in 2024 or something else. Like, we shall see. Sierra says, now that you're settled in Miami, which fruits and vegetables are you planning on growing? So the only thing that we're growing at the moment, I've got some awesome tomato plants going right now because we just had perfect little planters that were ready to roll. And I've got uh, some nice ways that they're kind of growing up the wall. And it's really cool. Although it is in the summer in Florida, it's very hard to grow tomatoes. As I've been told by several people, uh, you got to keep trimming them because you need as much air to go through them because obviously it's very hot and humid here, but they're actually doing pretty well. And I'm, I've got some nice, sweet, juicy tomatoes uh, in the kitchen right now. That's the only thing we're growing right now. I'm going to build out some planters because I want to do a full a full on garden. It's been tough because of all the, all the rain right now. And then we are going to put in a couple uh, fruit trees. We do have a mango tree, uh, which was really old on the property, which we just fed and hopefully it'll come around. And then we found out literally a week ago, we've had this massive, massive, probably 40 year old tree in the corner of the property and it wasn't looking so great. And we went back there, I went with my landscaper and I was like, what's going on with this thing? You know, and he's like, you know, this is a, a avocado tree. And we looked around and there were some avocados, but the tree had just been overgrown and not fed and everything. So we just shaped it up, we fed it, it's looking good. And hopefully we will have, uh, we'll have some avocados. Oh yeah, and we have a banana tree. So we've got plenty of bananas around here. Some of you that follow on Locals may have seen the bananas, which will be very, very useful in case of monkeypox, because I have been told and I, you know, I'm not a scientist. I'm not, you know, somebody that works over at the CDC, you know, don't, you know, I'm not as qualified as Fauci, but somebody said the best way to keep monkeypox uh, away from you and keep you and your family safe is to eat 17 bananas a day. That's what I was told. So we have a tremendous amount of bananas here. You guys can all have bananas after the show. Derek says, will we ever see another episode of you, Jordan and Ben again? I love it when you three have a conversation. If I'm not mistaken, that two or three hour conversation was the longest ever episode of the Rubin Report, and it was a very special day for me, not only because it was so cool to, you know, sort of the height of the IDW thing, and it was cool to be with those two guys as all of the stuff was kind of blowing up. Uh, but when Jordan walked out of the studio, which was in my garage, he was doing his first ever live show that night. It was a test show. He hadn't, the book wasn't out. He hadn't decided whether he was gonna tour or anything like that. He was gonna do the Orpheum downtown LA, couple thousand, couple thousand seat theater. And I said to him kind of as a joke, I was like, hey, if you want me to come and make some jokes about lobsters tonight and warm up the crowd for you, let me know. But I was kind of joking about it. I didn't really think he was gonna say yes. Like this was a big event for him. Uh, and he was like, he was like, yeah, come on down. And I did it and the agents were there and I crushed it. And they were like, you want, we're gonna take this thing on tour. This has been awesome. You want to do it? And my life changed. So that was a, that was a really great day for me. Uh, Glenn says, could you, oh, so wait, sorry, I didn't ask, answer your question. So the question is, will we ever do it again? Well, I just had dinner with Jordan last week. Jordan and I are gonna do a sit down live here in Miami sometime in July. Ben also is in Florida. Uh, so I think we're gonna do a solo one and I'll see if we can get Mr. Shapiro to be involved in something else. See what we can pull off. All right, what does Ben say? What does Glenn say? Phoenix, you gotta scroll a little faster, thank you. Uh, could you be friends with someone that you agree with on almost every common issue but that person has an unbending stance against gay marriage. Good question. All right. So, well, well, first off, on the first part of the question, I would, I don't certainly don't have to agree with them on almost every issue. I, I like having friends that I disagree with on a lot of issues. Obviously, as things have gotten politically charged in this country, you guys all know this. That's it's getting harder and harder to do. 
generally speaking, it's not harder to do because of us, right? Like I'm okay with someone disagreeing with me on abortion. I'm okay with someone disagreeing with me on taxes and foreign policy and all of those things. Uh, I'm okay with someone even disagreeing me, disagreeing with me on my feelings about the woke nonsense. Uh, but the other side seems to be unable to have friends that disagree with them. Like it's it, conformity is what they seem to put at the highest level at the, of the hierarchy. They pretend it's tolerance, but it's really conformity. Um, but you're asking an interesting one. So uh, if someone had an unbending stance against gay marriage, well, I think there's, there's sort of two parts of this. One part is I believe that anyone's entitled to their own beliefs and their own religious liberty and, and thoughts. So could I be friends with someone who had a biblical view of what marriage is? Well, absolutely I could be. I think it would sort of cap the friendship at a certain level. So since we were just talking about Ben Shapiro, I would, I would include him in something like this. Ben and I absolutely are friends. We have had dinner many, many times. Uh, we obviously are allies in a political sense, uh, but he has a biblical view of marriage. Now, that does cap our friendship to a certain degree, right? Like it, it just does. Like I, there's a level of something there that we're never gonna get to. That's okay. I don't feel I need to own the world. I don't think he feels he needs to own the world. As far as I know, he mostly takes the libertarian position of the government should just stay out of it and people should be able to enter whatever contracts they want. But there would be a cap on it there. Now the difference would be, so I can be friends with someone in that regard. The difference would be if there was someone that was like actively, constantly campaigning to overturn gay marriage or to make sure that gay people didn't have equal rights or something like that. Well, then I probably would have uh, a tough time being friends with them. But if you just had your own sort of philosophical view of the world, but you were a nice person and a decent person and an interesting person and a thoughtful person and all of that stuff, then I, then I think I would be fine with it. I know I would be fine with it. Uh, Danielle says, lots of good documentaries are recently out and upcoming. If you were gonna make a documentary, what would be the topic? What would you want to expose? It's a good question because I've had a few documentary companies want to do things with me or things that I would narrate or that I would sort of walk through, uh, be, be the sort of lead to do. You know, it would obviously be mostly about the mainstream media. I, I think things are so much worse than we really realize. I mean, actually what we started with today, the Joe Biden on Jimmy Kimmel, like, how the machine operates. You know, Jimmy Kimmel, who spent four years lying and slandering and awful jokes about Trump and he's a racist and all that stuff. Jimmy Kimmel, who of course has been in blackface multiple times himself. Uh, Donald Trump, as far as I know, has never been in blackface. He's been in orange face quite a lot, but that's a different thing. Um, how the machine protects itself. So it's like you lie about the person you don't like and then you do this ridiculously edited softball interview with the guy that you do like you're literally, literally defending him and, and lying and obfuscating for him as he's losing his thought twice in three sentences, as we just showed you. He did not know what he was saying. It was going nowhere. You can see all of the cognitive little tricks that he's learned so he doesn't completely just dump out, like break down, error, error, right in front of us, right? And Jimmy Kimmel helps him get, and now we gotta go to commercial. Oh, that was a really great point. Like, it's all fake. Everything about the mainstream media is fake. Everything is deeply, deeply fake. And I would like to explore that a little bit more. I mean, I know you guys get it, but I think there's like another level, another layer of that onion that we could peel off that would be pretty good. So I will have to think about that. Are you guys busy enough? You wanna do a documentary? What do you think? You guys busy? Right, we'll see. 
Uh, guys, before we get to a couple more questions, let me talk to you about real estate agents I trust. You know, buying or selling a home is already one of the most stressful things you can do. And it can be 10 times worse if you're not working with the right agent. Generally speaking, our homes are our biggest investment. That's a ton of responsibility and you need an agent who takes that seriously. That's why I recommend real estate agents I trust. They work with only the best agents in every market. They do their homework, talking to every agent before inviting them to join their network. And here's a big one. They only work with full-time pros, no part-time or inexperienced agents. Their team makes the intro and then follows you through the buying or selling process to make sure that you're satisfied. Their agents work with people with long track records. They all have long track records and they're the best sellers in their field. They're part of this audience. The company's owned by my buddy, Glenn Beck. They share your values and they're almost anywhere you wanna go, including Miami, Florida. The process is simple. Just go to realestateagentsitrust.com today and provide them with some basic info. Their team will contact you to make an introduction to their preferred agent in your town. And then you see what happens. All right, let's move on. Carib says, I loved meeting you at the breakfast in Orlando. I went solo that day, but really enjoyed meeting you all. It was like we were old friends. When we will have updates to locals like direct message, many of us have become close friends here. We'd love to communicate directly without using email or other means. Well, it was great to meet you. It was great to meet. We had about a hundred people for breakfast. I took everybody out for breakfast. It was just great. See all these happy people. And you guys have become friends, as you, as you rightly point out, that, which is so cool, right? Like, that's just so cool. People that live in the same town or live across the country, people are actually becoming friends with each other in real life. Like, if I've done anything good here, I suppose that's probably it. Uh, your question about some updates on locals, when will we have things like direct message? That would be ways for you guys to message each other. We're working on it. So we really want to expand the offering. So right now, we, you know, when we started this thing, it was the idea that the creator could just get their stuff out to you guys. You guys could comment on it, post things, things like that. But we are realizing there's a much more robust uh, set of features that we should be putting together and we're working on a few of them. So we want you guys basically to have a messenger where you can communicate not only with me, but with each other, which of course we'll do uh, totally encrypted. Uh, we want there to be profile pages for you guys so we can sort of rethink the internet. You know, basically I wanna create something where everyone can just cancel their Facebook page, cancel all the stuff that you've got, and then have a local, you would have your own locals page, and this is the idea that we're going for, you would have your own locals page where you could put your videos and your audios and you can find other people's pages to comment on. Really just kind of scale it back as if, almost in some ways, as if we could go back 20 years ago when everyone got on Facebook, but we knew about all the stuff. Like what would we have cleaned up? Or what would Facebook, what should Facebook have cleaned up if we did it more maturely? Uh, so yes, we'll have Messenger, we'll have profile pages, we'll, you know, it'll be a storage bin for your stuff. Um, and some other tricks that they probably would not want me to tell you. So stay tuned for all of that. Uh, Jacob says, love the show. Since you are a gay conservative, very scary. What are your thoughts on Pride Month and everything about becoming rainbow? Well, first off, um, you know, I happen to be gay and I suppose at this point, I'm a conservative. I don't find those things to be that in conflict. I know a certain amount of people do. You guys don't. I know my audience does, and I know there's some people that do. Uh, but to me, well, gay is just a sexuality, zippity doo dah. And conservative, you know, if conservative basically, as I joke during a lot of the live shows, it's like conservative basically means, you know, you've got a job. You know, conservative basically means you wear your underwear inside your pants. Conservative basically means you believe in some 
truths that we know are true and not everything is up for debate. And then we can all have sort of our own religious beliefs or philosophical or secular beliefs around all that. Conservative basically means you think the United States is pretty good. You, you believe in the rule of law, uh, things of that nature. You believe in logic and reason. Um, but our, as far as my thoughts on Pride Month and everything, I mean, first off, you know, pride is not something you need a month for. Pride isn't even something you need a day for. Pride isn't something you have to scream about. Like, I am proud of what I do, the work that I do, what I've presented to the world, I suppose. Um, I wasn't always proud of everything that I've done. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not proud of everything I've done in my, in my past. You know what I mean? But that first off, the idea that it's a month is just completely ridiculous. That we have a month, a Black History Month, and a Pride Month, none of it means anything. It's just, it's all corporate package nonsense. Um, but there's something specific about the word pride that I don't like. It's like pride isn't something you have to tell people you have. Like pride is something you earn by doing something good, by living a good life. You will feel pride in what you do. So I want nothing to do with it. I have nothing to do with it. Um, it has nothing to do with me. They've also ruined the rainbow. You know, the rainbow used to be fun. The rainbow was a couple colors and went like this. And at the other end, you might find a pot of gold with a midget. Pretty good. Everybody likes that. <laughs> Oh wait, midget gets us demonetized? I always forget. Is that? No, 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 come on. Um, <laughs> uh, that would be pretty good. I don't think midget gets us demonetized. That would be insane. Midgets are people too, right? Okay, Media Matters is all over that one. Midgets are, Ruben says midgets are people too, are they? Um, the point is people, uh, I just, they ruined the rainbow. Like they took the rainbow, then they slapped all of these brown things on it and these pink things and all of these things. This, there's no such thing as the LGBT community. None of it means anything. I have a community of people around me, but it's not because, oh, you are into this and you're into that and you used to be a chick and now you're a dude and all of those things. It's just like, no, none of it means anything. I like individual people. I think George Carlin had a line on that. It's something like, I like individual people. Groups, not so much. Uh, Tony says, have you considered an interview with Russell Brand? He seems to be making a lot of sense these days and it looks like he has a locals community. He is on locals, he is on Rumble and he is making making a lot of sense. He's saying a lot of the stuff that I've been saying for a while, which does, you know, it's a little bit of a pat on the back, I suppose. To me, uh, I have not connected with him yet, um, but we do have some mutual friends. I'm sure we will at some point. I would love to sit down with him either uh, on his show, on my show, on both shows. Doesn't have to even be in public. Uh, just a, a private meeting, just have a drink and, and see what's what. Uh, but he is getting red-pilled pretty quickly. He was a, you know, this was guy that was basically a leftist, a Hollywood leftist five years ago. Uh, he had an interview with Candace Owens a couple of years ago where she really smacked him around a little bit and he took the hit, you know, sort of took the hit the way I took the hit with that original Larry Elder interview. So anyone that's trying to figure out what's going on here, anyone who's thinking a little bit differently, doing things a little bit differently, I'm interested in that. So I would be happy to talk to him. Philip says, how's the knee holding up, especially with all the recent traveling? The knee's in good shape, man. I better knock on wood. You know, I got this torn ACL and all right, I know I should get the surgery. My guy wants me to get it, but I did PRP, platelet-rich plasma. They suck your blood out. They spin it in the centrifuge. They inject the plasma back into you. It will not repair a torn ACL, but it sort of strengthens everything around that. My knee is good. I'm doing cardio every day. I'm trying to uh, lift again a little bit. And uh, I got something going on my shoulder. It's, man, age, oh, sucks. 
Um, but I'm feeling pretty good. I'm, I'm playing when it's not raining. I've been, I've been shooting hoops again. I got the spin move back. It's all, it's, it's all there. Thanks for asking. Uh, Wayne says, do you think Elon will back out of the Twitter deal if he finds that they've been cooking the books? Yes, absolutely. And I'm starting to think that's where this is all going to go. And maybe he knew that the entire time. Wouldn't that be something? That Elon had done his due diligence probably for months. Like, this is not the type of guy who's just like, hey, hey, I'm going to throw $44 billion at something without doing my homework, right? So what if he had done a whole bunch of research beforehand, all that month-long PR and is it going to happen? Isn't it going to happen? Does he have the money? Will the board stop it? All of the stuff happens. But then as they're doing discovery, right? Because when you buy a company, obviously, you can't just trust them that the books make sense. You got to go in and start looking. You got to look at what they've done. How many fake accounts are here? Does, does the accounting really match? Are they really generating revenue on these things? Are they faking numbers? Are they depressing views? Are they shadow banning all of the stuff? So what if he knew a whole bunch about it and he knew the only way he could really expose it was to say he's going to buy it knowing that the sale never would have to go through because it was all going to come out that the whole thing was fraudulent. So if I'm not mistaken, in the, in the original deal, there was a, sort of a clause in there that basically said, oh, about 5% of the accounts are bots, meaning these are fake accounts that are computer run. You know, they could come from foreign countries or they could come from domestic people or just trolls or whatever it is, but about 5% are fake. And, and he wrote the $44 million billion offer under the guise of 5%. Now it's looking like it could be 20%. Some people are saying it could be like 40, 50% of fake accounts. Now think about the ways we could be being manipulated if politicians who tweet things, if 40% of the people who retweet them or encourage them to say one thing or get their uh, base going behind them because they see a lot of likes on one thing, if, if it's fake energy, right? If it's fake, that's something, that's something real. So maybe Elon knew it, he wasn't happy about it, and he knew the only way he could expose it was to say he was gonna buy the thing. I, I have no insider knowledge on that. I don't know that's the case. Um, but if he finds out it's more than 5% fake, he probably should not buy it. And honestly, if he didn't buy it and he really exposed the whole thing, like, I would gladly get off Twitter. I wanna get off Twitter anyway. I, I said it when Knowles interviewed me a couple of weeks back. I would love to be off Twitter by the end of the year. That would really be great. Look, we're building locals where I'm having way more fun. That's where I interview. Uh, I interact with people and now I'm meeting people in real life. I don't interact with people on Twitter. I just put information out there and that's where I get information. So I, I, we haven't built that whole infrastructure yet. Um, but maybe the whole thing needs to just collapse. Maybe it's so deeply corrupt what they did by hiding the Hunter Biden story, by getting rid of Trump, by all the shadow banning, by all the fake accounts. Again, it's like if we were all playing, if we were all playing a sport or we were all playing a board game, and we knew it was kind of fixed so that one guy was gonna win all the time or one guy's rules were different than the other guy's rules. One team was allowed to you know, travel, but the other team couldn't, right? Um, you might go, boy, this game isn't that fun anymore. You know, The Harlem Globetrotters always won all the time. Maybe there was a reason they won all the time, right? Like the generals didn't do that well. Remember, didn't the generals win one game? I think they accidentally won one game, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so the point is, it, we're all playing this fixed game, but it's like until we really figure out what's better or what the alternatives are, I think we're all gonna keep playing it, but we're working on it. Uh, Curtis says, if Governor DeSantis becomes president and he asks you to join his team, what position do you think he would appoint you to? 
Wow. Well, I think anything's possible as far as DeSantis. Uh, for the record, I did not ask him on stage about whether he wants to run for president. I didn't feel it was really appropriate or necessary. I think there's far more things to deal with in Florida right now. The guy freaking loves this state and he wants to crush it in his reelection and go from there. Uh, I'm hearing some grumblings. I heard yesterday that uh, the orange man may announce as early as July. There's a rumor it's going to happen on July 4th. We'll see about that, which it's like people keep asking me what I think. And it's like, look, Biden and this whole machine, they've got us on the slow descent to hell. And we all feel it. We all know it. Trump getting back in, it just opens the gates of hell, right? So it's either the slow descent to hell or the open the gates of hell. Now, the, the positive part of that is if you open the gates to hell, maybe all the shit just comes flying out and then we can do a reset. And I think we were sort of heading there until they kneecapped him last time with the 18 impeachments and everything else. So I don't know exactly what's gonna happen there. I do hope that whatever happens that Trump and DeSantis are able to kind of come together and figure out a way to, to fight together, whether it's one of them running and the other one defending or, or the other way around. Uh, but as for your question directly, what position do I think he would appoint me to if he was to appoint me? I mean, press secretary would be the most obvious. Like I could do what Saki does and I would do it far better and it would be fun and funny and the media would be evil and I'd probably get fired in three days because I'd say something that I wasn't supposed to say or whatever. Although I don't think DeSantis would fire me, he'd like it, but it would, it would be a lot of controversy. But you know, he's got an awesome press secretary right now, Christina Pouchaw, who by the way, in the last couple of days, this girl has been under an onslaught of attacks from the Floridian mainstream media where they're calling her a registered foreign agent and all of this bullshit. And, and DeSantis had a great line on it. They asked him, because there's all these media reports that Christina Pouchaw, that she's evil and she's bad and she's a foreign agent and she's DeSantis's press secretary. So they asked DeSantis about it. It was just perfect. He was like, he was like, let me get this straight. Uh, the mainstream media is going after my press secretary. That means she's doing a good job. And it's just, it's just like, that's the right answer. That's perfect. So she would probably do that. I could be in charge of smoking meat. That would be good. I, I could bring the, bring the big green egg to the White House and do what I could over there. Uh, maybe I could replace gay Pete, you know? I probably would know more about transportation. That wasn't even a gay joke. I, I've, uh, I used to play, uh, what was that, Sim City? Remember Sim City? You build roads around and the whole thing. So I feel like I could do what gay Pete does. Uh, Nick says, even as an outspoken college student fighting the good fight, good for you, Nick, Meeting you in the locals community last week gave me a new inner strength I didn't know I needed. Awesome. Did you ever imagine that you'd be able to touch so many souls? I'm gonna cry. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know that I ever really thought about it, but I can tell you that when we did that breakfast and when I do the meet and greets after and people say, you help, you help keep me sane and people are giving us baby gifts and people are giving me tequila and people are giving me candles and people are giving me hand paintings. And uh, there was a guy, I wish I could remember his name, who gave me two painted animals from his, I think, four-year-old autistic son, and they're awesome. And we're gonna hang them in the house when we're done with all this construction. It's like, that I have some little effect on whatever's going on with your life, that maybe I've made some of like the craziness of these last couple of years a little more palatable for you, um, is awesome. And um, it's, it's like, if that's what I'm giving you guys, then you're giving me back way more, right? Like you've afforded me literally and figuratively like a, a really good life. And that is uh, very appreciated, uh, appreciated on my end. So uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, Renee says on a scale from one to a hundred, what was California and what is Florida? I mean, California, well, I gotta put some money in the jar here. We're gonna put 10 in today. We're gonna put 10 in today. There you go, Callie, someone's getting some cash. 
Um, what was California and what was Florida? I mean, California, look, when I got there in 2013, we got there in 2013, we had about 2,000 bucks in our uh, combined bank accounts. And when we left, you know, eight years later, like we had made it. We, you go to Hollywood to make it and, and we did it, right? 99% of people go and don't make it. Like it never works out. They, they never get whatever the dream was. I don't even remember exactly what my dream was, but I do have a note. We have this somewhere. Uh, we're going to frame it. It's, we still have boxes we haven't fully unpacked, but we have a piece of paper that David and I wrote from about 2012 where I was formulating the idea of a show called The Rubin Report from way back when. Um, and, and it was really originally an idea I had back in 2005 when I was doing stand-up from before. But the point is we went to Cali and we, we did what you're supposed to do. Like I built a company. I, I did, I, I have the job I want to have and all of that stuff. Um, Cali was great for a while. Like Southern California, when it's right, man, the weather is awesome. And you know, there was something cool about the celebrity thing being a little bit involved in that kind of thing. Like there is something kind of cool about it when it's done right. Can you hear Clyde? He's, he's scratching. How you doing, Clyde? What's going on? You want to get out of here? We can, we can let him out. Somebody, somebody let him out of here before he pees in the studio. Um, but there was something awesome about Cali and it, and it really was the weather and the beaches and all that stuff. And I loved going up to Northern Cali. We got married in wine country. And like, there was something really cool about all that. Oh, now he doesn't want to leave this guy. All right, now you're staying, dude. Um, anyway, here, I'll take a picture of him now. We'll post this in a second. Clyde, we're taking a live picture of you during the show for the people, we'll post this in local. Clyde, look at me, look at me. How you doing, how you doing? Okay. Um, so there was something really cool about Cali. So, and then, it, and then of course it was a disaster. Then it went off the cliff, right? Like it just, the, co the lockdowns, COVID, the destruction of everything, the homeless, all the stuff, you know. So Cali, I'd, I'd give it a 50. I'd give it a 50 out of 100. It was good and then it, and then it turned to shit. Florida, it, it's a 98. It's a 98. I don't know anything bad here in Florida. Do you guys know? <laughs> Oh, Clyde's freaking out. He's, we got people banging downstairs. Um, I don't know anything bad that's going on here. The weather is great. The, the people are great. There's a happiness here, a, a yearning for freedom. I've become friendly with the mayor of Miami and, and the governor where I was in enemy of the state. And, and, it has, and it's not even the political stuff. Like nothing. I love the lizards. Like I really like reptiles. I think that's one of the things that I've learned here, reptiles. I like lizards. I like iguanas. I like alligators. I like crocodiles. Name another iguana, uh, reptile for me. What do we got? I named the, I like snakes. There, I said it. I don't mind the snakes. Oh, all right, big show today, guys. Uh, hope you enjoyed the uh, Q&A. We've got a cold close for you in a second that I think you are gonna dig. Uh, reminder, speaking of Florida and Miami, I am going to be in Miami. We added one last show for my new adopted hometown of Miami. July 14th at the Miami Improv. You can get tickets at daverubin.com slash events. Look at those cool hipster synthwave sunglasses. Uh, part two of my interview with Governor Ron DeSantis is on Rumble and uh, YouTube right now. The full thing is up at rubinreport.locals.com. And now we got a cold close for you. These are the people pretending to be in charge. We did it. We did it, Joe. You're going to be the next president of the United States. <laughs> This is my little sister, Valerie, and I'm Jill's husband. Oh, no, this is the, oh, you switched on me. This is my wife. This is my sister. They switched on me. Thank you guys for tuning in to the Rubin Report Direct Message. We're live on Rumble, Blaze TV, and YouTube every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific. Don't forget to review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. 
And if you're looking for early and exclusive content, you can join me on Locals at rubenreport.locals.com.